Happy Tuesday morning to you, Four Oaks. Pastor Paul, it is, let's check the date here. Yep, January 16th. So glad that you have joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. We are working our way through the gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. That's the passage of study for the week. Now, you'll recall yesterday, we kind of did an introduction to this passage. I sent you on some to do some homework assignments, to do some study, to consult some maps, to do what we would what we would kind of call some exegetical spade work. In other words, before we just dig in and try to start figuring out what this passage means to us, it's first paramount that we figure out what the passage meant to the people that Matthew wrote it to and what's actually happening there. And so th these are always the first steps of, of biblical interpretation is to sort of situate the story um, in the context and the flow of what's happening at that time. So, so sent you off to do that. If you missed yesterday, you can go back and listen to that and kind of pick it up uh, where we left off. But let me read the passage for us and let's dig in. Verse 21, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But he came and knelt before him, but she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now, one of the things that I asked you to do was to try to consult a map and to begin to situate this story in light of what else has been happening in Jesus's ministry. So, and that's going to be important here because this seems to be the first time in Matthew that Jesus is in a, not just a predominantly Gentile portion of, of Palestine, but um, almost exclusively so, right? Now, this doesn't mean this is the first time that Jesus has interacted with Gentiles, far from it. We know that the centurion's daughter, we know the, uh, the, the, at the Decapolis where he healed the men possessed by demons. Um, those were all um, Gentile-related but they were all within the realm of geographically what would be considered Israel or, or its perimeter. Here, though, when you look at a map with Tyre and Sidon, they're on the coast, the northwest coast, probably in what is today known as, as Lebanon, right? And um, these, um, these are cities that are, that are distinctly in pagan Gentile territory. And we have to ask, why is, it, why is Jesus there, okay? because the whole scope of Jesus's ministry occurs almost exclusively within Israel, Palestine. Well, the word that Matthew uses here, he withdrew to the district. This is not happenstance, right? When you look at the larger context, this could be for several reasons. One, he could be simply retreating, okay, 
uh, before he begins his long march to Jerusalem, right? So, so Jesus's public ministry in Galilee is winding down. Right? There's real, very little public ministry left in Galilee. Now Jesus is, is pulling back, withdrawing, um, kind of marshalling his resources with his disciples before they begin that long trek to Jerusalem, where of course he's going to die. So there, there, there's, there's a retreat aspect. There's also this aspect, of course, where um, Herod Antipas was, was not happy with Jesus, right? Um, he had just killed John the Baptist, and we know Jesus had moved away from that region. So I think that's, that's part of what's in play. You know this earlier in Matthew. And also just there was messianic fervor, people wanting to make Jesus a political king, which he was not there to do. And so all of these things fit into this idea of withdrawal. And in other words, this was not a, um, Jesus wasn't going over here to begin a new front of ministry. All right, that, that wasn't what's happening. That's, that's important here, okay? But it tells us a Canaanite woman from the region came out. And so when we talk about Canaanite, this is, um, this is a Phoenician. This is what um, Mark calls her. These are the folks that lived on the coast. These are, um, again, natives of that land that were dispossessed by Israel as they came and conquered the territory. It was, of course, their land to begin with. But this is a thoroughly uh, woman from a pagan Gentile background, all right? And it tells us that she comes and is crying out to, to Jesus. Now, one of the first things we have to do before we, we understand what's happening with her is we, try, we need to try to understand what's happening with Jesus. Because clearly, Jesus on the surface is seemingly doing very un-Jesus-y things, right? Let's, let, let's, let's look at it. First of all, this woman is says she's crying out to Jesus, okay, um, and he ignored her. But but not only did he ignore her, um, she must have been doing this for some time because at some point it says in verse twenty three, his disciples came and begged him, saying, "Send her away, for she is crying out after us." In other words, this has been ongoing, and by send her away. They most likely are saying, Jesus, would you just heal this woman so she'll leave us alone? So, so number one, he ignores her. Number two, he ignores her for an ongoing extended period. And then third, look at verse 28. He says, I didn't come to, as this part of my mission, to heal pagans. I didn't come to minister to pagans primarily. I came to minister to Israel. Okay, so this is a loaded, like seemingly ethnic sort of um, slur against her, right? This is some sort of, some act of discrimination. Again, very, very non-Jesus, right? And then finally, she came and knelt before him, and she says, Lord, help me. And he says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, <laughs> dogs was one of the worst um, metaphors you could use for a person, scroungy, mangy, uh, now there is some indication that this was this actually means puppies or house pets, but still, nonetheless, he's calling her a dog. He's saying, "Look, I'm not going to take the the good meal I'm feeding the Israelites and 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 feed it to the Gentiles." And so this is clearly um, got to be very offensive, right? And so 
Jesus is is doubling down seemingly on every turn. And we have to ask, what in the world is going on? Because after all, every other time we see Jesus in Matthew's gospel and people are crying for help, he helps them. Every other time people are coming to him asking to be healed, he heals them, okay? Um, this sort of cold, obtuse, hardened, callous posture that Jesus has to this woman um, seems to be very uncharacteristic of Jesus. Now, I think the point of the passage is going to point us towards this woman's faith. But before we can get there, it's important that we try to like get ourselves in the situation here and try to try to provide a little more context and color and flavor to what might be behind Jesus's response. Okay. First of all, um, when you compare Jesus's other healings and miracles, okay, in the gospel of Matthew, they're almost always done as part of marshalling evidence to show that he is the son of God, that he is the Messiah. Okay. He'll do a miracle and then people are amazed and say, this must be the son of David. This must be the Messiah. Not so with this woman. I want you to notice all the different ways that she addresses him. She says, Oh Lord, son of David. She says, Lord, help me. It says that she knelt before him or bowed before him or worshiped before him. This is a woman who we're not sure exactly how, but has come to an intimate, faithful knowledge of who Jesus is. And, and that's not a stumbling block to her. She's not saying, Lord, if you heal, I'll believe. But Lord, I believe, so would you heal? And I think that's, that's important to note because Jesus obviously knows this woman's heart. Like if he knows that when someone's touched his robe and power has gone out of him and healed someone, if he knows that, of course he knows this woman's heart. Of course he knows her disposition. And I think that's important to note because in doing so, and we can't, we can't cue into the nonverbals, right? We don't know if Jesus is saying these things to this woman with a twinkle in his eye with a knowing glance, uh, with his tongue planted firmly in cheek. We, we don't know that. But what seems to be happening is that Jesus seems to be goading her or leading her into a particular response. Now, we have to say, why would Jesus do that if he knows her heart already? And I think part of the answer has to be, you and I are sitting here talking about this 2,000 years later. Could it be, and I think it's very likely, that, that Jesus is, the, the, the primary focus is, is not who Jesus is in this passage, although that's always in view, but it's the nature of faith. It's the nature of this woman's heart and disposition and the reason Jesus is leading her into these places where she ends up literally begging for his help and humbly submitting herself is that he wants to give us a picture of faith 2,000 years later. See, Jesus knows Matthew's going to record this. Matthew's there. He's an eyewitness. And, and in doing so, 
we're going to be reading about this woman for centuries, thousands of years later. And Jesus is giving us, I believe, the gift of seeing the heart and nature of true, genuine, saving faith. He's not being obtuse. He's not being hardened. It's obvious that he intended to heal her the whole time. But in drawing these responses out of her, um, he's again teaching her something about faith, okay? And, and just as importantly, something to us about faith. So, so, so I think it would be wrong to read from this passage that Jesus is discriminating against this person because they're a pagan or because they're a woman or because of this or because of that. The furthest thing from the truth, Jesus' ministry, as we know, was intended to begin with Israel and then expand to the nations, all nations. Matthew 28 tells us that. Uh, we know that women were an integral part of Jesus' ministry. They were those who first witnessed the resurrection. They were part of his traveling company. They were patrons of his. That's clearly not what's going on. No, Jesus is drawing out an interaction in order to give us a picture of saving faith. And that's where we're going to jump into the story tomorrow. It's a good lesson. It's a reminder for us. We may not always understand God's ways. Um, you can imagine the, the disciples. Why is Jesus not responding? Why is he being seemingly obtuse? Sometimes the ways of Jesus and God can be inscrutable to us, but there's always a plan, always a, a design, always a sovereign purpose even for everything happening in your life and in mine. Lord, um, give us the faith of this woman to look to you, to call to you, to cry to you. And Lord, let us trust in you when we don't hear the answer we want to hear, or we feel like we're not hearing from you at all. Deepen our heart and trust and faith in you that you know what you're doing and that we can entrust ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Be back here tomorrow. See you then.